Hey folks, tonight is episode 40 of Biomast, and uh, we're brought to you by Dire Straits and their hit single, Money for Nothing. So, uh, w without further ado, we're going to get right into it, folks. We've had uh, War Warlords 1.0 released. It is the new release itself, uh, and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, and there's been a lot of going back and forth on the forums, uh, most of it related to the War Barge, which was sort of the, the central feature, if you will, of the Warlords update, which, um, now truth be told, is really the groundwork for a lot of the future pieces that they're going to be bringing out in terms of PC revamp and how they're reinventing certain components of the game. Now, uh, it, it is certainly not without contention, which we will get into. We've got a pretty solid lineup of uh, kind of New Eden's dust finest, if you will, that we can talk about some of this. And by the way, when I say that, I'm totally excluding Soraya Zell from that part about the finest thing. So just let's Thank keep you. that in um, But we, we do want to touch on a lot of the uh, a lot of the component pieces um, and, and I guess the the contentious pieces, pieces of Warlords because there, there are some good pieces in there, I think, or at least there's the, uh, the promissory note of some good pieces in the future if all the pieces if all the components, no pun intended, by the way, and we'll get into that, if all these uh, components of this release and future releases snap together the way uh, I think CCP Rotati would like them to, it looks pretty promising, but this is a little bit of a frictious start. So without further ado, uh, we're going to go ahead and do some intros, and we're going to start at the top of the list. Godin, please lead us off. Hello, I'm Godin. I'm driving across the country right now. Don't mind me. Okay, uh, fireball of energy and enthusiasm is all. Are always. you actually like? Pot are you actually like recording on the road or, or like? Well, actually, no, driving? no, no. We, yeah, we just covered this. He's 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 in a game. <laughs> he's just like like literally. I just I literally asked the same thing you said, so I, I feel kind of dirty now. Well, now we're now we're in air. It matters. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, what are you playing, man? The crew, something like that. Correct. Okay. Oh shit! I'm about to crash. Uh, okay. All right. Push the talk, bro. All right, Jadek Menahan. Hi, I'm Jadik Menaheim. Um, I am a weekly participant in the Dust514 Poker Club. That's what I'm up to right now. Sweet. Uh, okay, Kane Sparrow. Uh, former member of the CPM and uh, leader of the Negative Feedback Alliance. Good deal. Pokey? Uh, Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations and co-host here on Biomast. Uh I'm a co-host here on Biomast and also a member of CPM1. And I am Jason Larison. I'm one of the co-hosts here on Biomass, and I am a member of OSG Planetary Operations, and I fly with Agony Unleashed on the Eve side. Uh, so, without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and hop right into a CPM update. Sryzel, take it away. Yep. So, um, the big thing this week, uh, I don't know how many people noticed it, it wasn't... Uh overly publicized, but uh, we uh, had a change in our membership uh, this week. Um, we got, uh, we have removed uh, Judge Radamanthus from uh, the CPM. Lol. Uh, okay, uh, would you do me a favor? I know that they posted it publicly, at least very kind of briefly, but can you describe sort of how, how that was arrived at, uh, at least, uh, you know, the parts that were publicly disclosed? Um, he, he hasn't been present. Um, you know, uh, he's he. You've, you guys have seen him about as much as we have. We haven't been able to get a hold of him. Um, uh, CCP Frame uh, also s said that he had not been able to get a hold of him either, and uh, it's it's been a long time. There's there's simply um, he he wasn't there. He wasn't doing the job, and uh, so uh, that was that. Okay, 
Well, the uh, I guess uh, this is kind of interesting, uh, and, and I only just juxtapose this because I'm literally watching a CSM yeah, yeah, sort of gladiator a, bring it up. that's going on uh, in EVE right now as their term is starting to to kind of wind down towards FanFest. Uh, yeah. It's very interesting that all this happened at the same time. And it's totally unrelated, but yeah, it, it, I, just, it just happened that it's, you know, it's sort of everybody's in, at the point in their term. They're probably three quarters of the way-ish, two thirds of the way-ish done with their terms. And this is about the point where everybody's at the I'm mad as hell and can't take it anymore phase. I mean, my personal amusement is that, uh, you know, there's been all this drama at the CSM and it's, it's been very public and everyone's heard about it recently. And we removed someone and um, it, it hasn't even been picked up by, uh, by the Matani.com. <laughs> and so I kind of enjoy that we don't get quite as much, uh, um, it's not quite as dramatic, and I, I guess that's because less people are interested. But um, you know, it's it's somewhat nice. Um, I I, I kind of you know I, I have some condolences for the CSM members who have to deal with all of it uh, right now. Um, it's it's been you know enlightening to say the least, is for people who you know um, there's there's a lot of internal stuff that ended up getting aired that was um, you know probably filled in some interesting gaps for people about the CSM this year. And, you know, we don't, we don't actually, uh, for, for those curious in the, the CPM, we don't have a lot of, uh, inside knowledge of any of that, um, over other players. Like we have, we, we have channels to communicate with the, uh, CSM, but there's, there's not a lot of stuff that's unrelated to our job that we talk about with them. Okay. So, yeah. And like I said, it, it's very much unrelated to anything going on in, in dust, but it, it is, it is interesting because there's a lot of Eve players out there that are, you know, vice versa that play uh, Dustin Eve, uh, and and ultimately the CPM was to a degree modeled around the you know what was brought up in the CSM. So uh, one interesting note that I did want to bring up: there is actually a blue tag post in the Eve forums in the Dust sub forum now. You guys see that one, right? Yes, I won that. I I, yep. I won that one. You know, the, I I was pushing hard for that. Well, my now, did you actually talk to Frame about that, or did he of his own volition do that? Well, I, I mean, I don't know if Frame was planning on doing it before or not, but I, I mean, I did talk I, it, to Frame and I said, well, "Hey, can just, you do this?" <laughs> I, when I when I first read that, it literally dawned. It really, I was like, "Why in the world haven't they just double posted like Bro, like literally just all the stickies of the updates?" You know? Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. what it's why for. in the world that's haven't that, they been doing that? That's since what that board is for, and I think that it's it's a big part of why you know some players may not understand that things are happening is because they're they're not getting that communication from ccp if if they posted all of the um you know like the, the critical game notes dev blogs you know patch notes and the um like the event like the event blogs you know like hey this is the event coming up this week like the normal stuff they put in the dust info and they just cross posted it there that that would probably help a lot, and I'm just, I it just boggles my mind that nobody's sure thought and to do that before. It's not like it's you know uh, extra irritating for for Eve players because it's it's got its own sub form. It's you know easy to, to scroll right by and ignore if you're not interested. But if you are, there's you know there's a lot of people who aren't getting that that full level of communication. Well, I think I think the other thing is, and we we touched on this previously in other shows, is that if you if you were an Eve player and you kind of go more or less only what you hear at FanFest and then tacitly, you you certainly probably could think that Dust had been turned off, like literally like went the way of Mag. Um, 
but obviously that's that's kind of not the case right now and and that would have been an easy way for them to keep keep things updated uh okay so uh let's move on real quick guys so let's get right into it so we've had the 1.0 release of warlords jason uh, just one thing before yeah. we move on though I, sure Go one ahead, thing King. one thing about the judge announcement that really struck me though is that it was the cpm that came out and actually did the original posting of that and I don't know, I think that's a really strong example of the CPM publicly communicating to the player base and the community even on a tough subject. And I don't think that really, that needs to be kind of noticed because I think that's a good, important step for the CPM to basically be like, hey, even if we're having a real tough internal issue, we're willing to come out and explain to you guys what's going on and kind of be, you know, big boys about it kind of deal. Sure, I'll I'll buy that. Were were you guys the first ones to post that, or did was that posted uh, that, through? Uh, that was that was posted um, by us, and then uh, uh, Frame followed up with his note on uh, on that, which uh, you know puts it in the wonderful uh, Dev Posts tab on the forums. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the probably the bigger dis- the big distinction between um, this and any any previous removals um, is that. Uh, this this was you know the CPM asked for this so um, you know it was it was our you know we we were a big part of that decision. I, I'm just I'm curious did uh, and you may or may not want to go into it but I'm going to ask is at what point like it strikes me if you guys had, had arrived at this a little earlier you might even had the opportunity to perhaps get somebody else in uh, like a replacement. Uh, as opposed to just having an empty seat, was, was there any discussion of that? I, I don't think um, at any point were we ever really um, looking into that. I mean, I know that uh, the CSM has refilled two seats um, during the course of this year. Um, it was quite a fair bit earlier in their term than uh, it would be for us, and they decided after, I think it was about halfway through their term, they decided they weren't going to um, uh, fill any future vacant seats for the rest of the term. Um so you know, I mean, it it takes um, it it takes kind of a, a period of time for someone to to really get acclimated um, to to the working environment, and it it can be disruptive to to put someone in midterm if it's not like early enough. No, I I think that's what I'm getting at is what I would recommend is in the future, perhaps in the white papers or kind of the the business rules, if you will, of the CPM or the organizational structure that you guys think through. And kind of formalize how that would work like you know if at halfway mark somebody has been afk for five months and 28 days ish uh that you, that there's perhaps a way a mechanism that you have already thought thought through with the ccp community team on how you can bring somebody else on board well if, if you're thinking that uh five months and 28 days and uh you know only bring people in if within the first six months i'm i'm absolutely floored that you think we can do that in two days um <laughs> but no i i think, but, uh, I think my point is you would you would clearly be able to figure it out before you got to that point is what i'm getting um at. uh yeah i mean there's there's a few things actually that i think uh, can be probably touched on on the white paper a little bit um some of it's come up in chat and uh we're well i i do want to converse more with uh the other cpm about the white paper a bit okay all right that sounds good so let's go ahead and kind of drive on into uh, Warlords 1.0. Um, obviously, the seminal feature of that was the introduction of the War Barge. Uh, and there, that has been heavily discussed on this show and in the forums. Uh, and the 
the, the first thing I'd like to kind of touch on is there's apparently a couple of sockets that made it in that weren't advertised. Um, and I, I assume that was a, that was a planned move, not a boo-boo. So, well, uh, I can say that the CPM had no idea they were coming. So th- really, that's interesting. And they, they weren't even in the patch notes. I don't think either. They, they were not in the patch notes. Um, and, uh, I, I had no idea they were, they were new maps. I haven't seen them in game yet myself. I saw a really, really bad cell phone picture of someone's screen. I've seen um, them. I don't like it. I don't. No, no, I get so, so my real question now is did CCP know they were in? Like, I mean that literally. Like, did, did they, like, accidentally, like, oop, my bad, didn't mean to cut and paste that part into the into the patch? I wouldn't be able to answer uh, where, where CCP's at. Hmm, okay. Well, and it kind of, if, you know, if that may be the case, it kind of reminds me of when we had a surprise early viewing of the Kaldari um, Prime background effects that wasn't even correct mm. because you wow. know um it that's supposed to be like frozen tundra type stuff i'm still mad about that oh what the kaldari prime is supposed to be frozen tundra yep well it, it maybe it was before you know a titan crashed into it and heated everything up by about 120 degrees no that's like before the fighting started i'm saying it was supposed to be a frozen tundra it wasn't Okay. Well, I, I, I honestly, I don't think the moods match up with the um, uh, specific planets perfectly as it is. Okay. Yeah, well, but like I know there was some planet that was a lava planet, and it was like that's supposed to be like a terrestrial. Well, because all of the planets we fight on right now are supposed to be um, temperate planets. That's true, because that's basically where you can put PI. For, well, you can put PI kind of anywhere, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's been a long time since I looked into that. Um, I know that there. It, it's really hard as I go back and I look kind of that far back. The the things that were real in Memorex, you know what I mean? Like the stuff that was actually either there or just announced it was there or that was rumored to be there. If, if I, I I'm really starting to lose the skit on that, so it's probably my old age. All right, so so warlords. Oh, yep. Yeah, I was about to say that. Thank you. So, any other non-Warbarge-related things in Warlords that you guys caught caught your eye in the patch notes? Restock too. Um, oh, that, restock that's, two li- that's literally the best thing in the patch. Like, oh, yeah. the, the thing By to bear far. in mind, though, for people who weren't looking, because I wasn't looking, is um, it's a separate button. <laughs> I spent I spent a ton of money. No, no, that's 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 actually pretty smart though. No, it's great. That's great, but I didn't I had no idea that it was gonna be a separate button. I just knew that restock two was gonna be a thing, so I just, you know, hit, you know, my button Ah. and and restock and ramped it up to like forty or something, and then I'm like, uh, this does not look how it's supposed to look. And I'm like, oh, there's a separate button. So I I stupided through that, so I figured I'd I'd mention that. Um, Okay. Everything looks weird now in my blaster for some reason. It's like it's like yellowy tint over everything. In, in so vehicles are nerfed then? Good. No, no, it's not really nerfed. It just looks weird. It bothers me. Like every single thing when I use a blaster turret on my HAVs, it has like a yellowy tint. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's just since Warlords dropped, that's how it looks. The pilot yes. now. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I said it's because the pilot now has shooter glasses on. The stylish kind. Ah, that makes so sense. So I actually do have a question. Has anybody seen any of the new faction drop suits? No. No. 
Yeah, are they only in the strong boxes? That's Curr- being changed on Tuesday. Currently, they are, but they're going to list them on the on the store. They've announced are, that. Are they going to be like what level drop suit? Standard. Um, standard. Oh, fuck all that noise. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know the the other thing that Ritati mentioned. I think he I think he actually mentioned it for the first time in the uh, um, the barbershop thread. Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm just. I'm going to throw this out there. If I ask Kriba to do a poll of where the majority of Ritati's posts are, anybody want to take bets that the barbershop is in the top three? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> um, that I, I would recommend that he post, like, I don't know, in any other subform, at least occasionally, so that, I don't know, any other group, in, like, subgroup in the game could, like, <laughs> you, you know, interact with him. Just, yeah. I'm throwing that out there. But there are... <laughs> But so he did mention, though, in there um, that uh, one of the things that they are looking at is is uh, moving uh, customization, like the the, the vanity, skins. to an actual skin slot skins. so that you can buy the skin and then apply it to, you know, any of, of your suits. So you could have, you know, you put it on your proto suit or whatever. That work retroactively for like quaff suits that you bought. Um, that that would be like obviously they're they're not to the the stage where they determine all of those things for final. But like what we what we at least were suggesting is like if you have like a quaff, let's say you have a quaff assault suit, then you should get like a standard, like just a standard BPO, and then your quaff skin BPO, so that you've got yes. you can equal the same things. You know, but I, I think it'd be crazy not to, um, you know, make that retroactive in some way, shape, or form. It would be amazing. Like, the lack of just pure vanity items, like, we're vanity items. So, at this point, vanity items have always been wrapped up in either an ore suit that gets destroyed or, you know, any other things. But, like, you know, maybe somebody wants the skin really bad, but they don't want to necessarily pay the money for the suit, too. You know, it just gives CCP much more flexibility in pricing. It I, gives it can improve the game itself, the performance, because that's one thing he mentioned. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, what was I just thinking? Shit. Oh, yeah. If that, that happens, I can put my Serotron Lev skins on Serotron, like, uh, like a Limbus or something. That would be really cool. But speaking of Quaif, uh, Kane, I've been seeing you've been rocking the uh, the uh, Kane has the, the, everything now. Yeah, yeah, he's got it all. I I, I still LAB need to go like, out yeah. and buy a lottery ticket. Yeah. <laughs> that you got it fourth box in, man. Fourth box in. That that or like one of my philosophies is that you have every person has an allotment of luck points a week, and I think I and I shouldn't go outside. because so. <laughs> you got like you got both. Quaif Labs, right? And then the Forge Gun, and... So currently I have a Quaif Saga BPO, a Quaif Mathana BPO, a Quaif Sniper Rifle BPO, a Quaif Laser Rifle BPO. Okay, you got a Forge Gun? Blaster. I thought you had a Forge Gun. No, God, no, no. If I had, if I had gotten a Forge Gun, 30 lines in Skype would have been filled with we. <laughs> how many How many keys did you buy? I had a lot of keys. Exactly how many? You dropped and gone. So, uh, now, I'm pretty sure that he bought pretty much all those keys like he yeah, bought. Yeah, had saved keys. up. Yeah. Total number of keys that I've used so far binding with the event is 115 keys, but that's also oh, like... God. That's like 109 more than I've received ever. 
Um, let's. But I mean, I've been keeping a running list of anything that was like officer or better in terms of like you've, you've been like sacrificing money for the for experimental purposes this week. I love it. I can't help it. I like experimenting with things. It's something that I you know. You're going to go broke on experimenting with things. Hey, I'm not broke yet. Close in terms of my ore reserves. That's for damn sure. Well, on that note, uh, the, I think the uh, the other component I've noticed that they're they're definitely up in their game for the strong boxes. Reportedly, uh, I think there's still some issues with a lot of fairly random like new guy YOLO shit in the strong boxes. Uh, I don't know that they've removed all of the. No, it's still there. The, the, the crazy basic shit, the random skill bait. books and stuff. Yeah. Um, so there, there's that's an ongoing issue that has not yet entirely been resolved uh, at the point of the release. And, and by the way, my new, the new thing I'm trying to figure out is can we get a feature where I can move all these strong boxes to Minecraft and build some shit with them because I got so many of them. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got on the Mighty Warlords. Oh yeah, all the uh, a lot of the named officer gear from uh, the player events are in. That that's actually really cool. I I actually kind of like that. That's uh that's definitely a pretty a pretty nice thing that they did in terms of uh, letting players leave their mark in the game. Uh, and then obviously the off the um, CCP officer drop suits. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I, I've never played with one, so I don't think I've ever seen one in game. Uh, but I think it's cool that you have some, some pretty high end stuff that's rare, that's floating in and out of the game. So um, again, things like this, where it's basically taking in game, um, items, you tweak them, you rename them, put some put some lore flair on them, uh, new new coat of paint, that kind of stuff. That's a tried and true model for the for these kind of games, and honestly, uh, is is a, in fact a monetization tool, which we can kind of get into a little bit later. Um, let me see if there's anything else before we dive right into the war barge stuff. There was the Rodin sniper rifle. Yeah. So where did that come from? I didn't see that listed anywhere. Someone had found it in game. I don't is that, know. They, is that yeah, like they took a, a rare drop, like an officer. What drop? is it? It's like a bolt action sniper rifle, one shot with uh, was like f- uh, 550 damage base. Yeah. yeah, it's it's off the hook. And I think Thundergroove was doing some. I, I don't know how he's doing what he's doing. He's able to like, like get the Katma code from the PS3, but he was like looking at the stats of it. And uh, I'm relatively has, confident that Thundergroove is actually Fox Force Alt. Probably. <laughs> But yeah, he said it, it has the same sway as the sniper rifles, but double the zoom. Hmm. So it's like old school Thales, then? Maybe, like more damage. Yeah. And I think it's metal level 9, but it's not officer. That's, I mean, is that in the experimental range? Maybe. I think it, it took proficiency 1 to use. Well, I guess now that was, I think Arkina brought that up to me earlier and I, I forgot about it. Is that, I mean, do they name the experimental rifles something like like Roden sniper rifle? Every I, experimental I weapon, every experimental weapon I've got has been called experimental. Experimental okay. assault rifle, experimental plasma, I, I'm, and, but, and, you know, and, plasma cannon. Like, you know, totally, seriously, and, and, and I'm absolutely not, not poking, uh, nope, nope, unintended there, pokey, but, um, it makes me wonder if they accidentally put put more into the into the release than they thought. Like, I, I mean, it really does. Like, it makes me wonder if they, you know, there was like a mistranslation of Icelandic to English to you know Chinese to English to Icelandic of, you know, put only these things. Oh, put all things, and you know, you know, there you go. It's all in. 
Well, and and one of the things that uh, was was also came out with some of the the numbers type issues is that there was um, uh, some server side stuff that did not go live with a patch the way it was supposed to. So um, I That's know there were, there were a few issues because of that as well. Okay. I didn't. I did notice that the squad orders and leader commissions are back, which is, is pretty cool. I do like that. Now, is that does that stack with the the bonuses vicinity yes. of the point? Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Um, revive, revive with a white with a uh, proto needle is like an amazing over hundred experience. Like okay. well over. Well, yeah, and then and well, uh, I think that just as I randomly read off a couple other things real quick. Um, the uh, the uh, SP change, the way that the SPs granted out the active passive thing. Yeah, can you? Yeah, no, that's um, that was actually one that caused a little, like initially, that caused a little bit of concern. Uh, then was quickly overshadowed by the the beefs with the war barge. Yeah, well, and there's uh, you know, they've had some technical issues with uh, the bonus SP this week. Um, but uh, no, the the limit for that is is uh, pretty small too. Is like the the anti AFKing thing is like for veterans is you have to get like 150 war points, which is a joke to get anyways. Um, you know, it just means I, you can't well, literally sit in the, the bar. The, the case that that was actually, I, I agree with you by the way. Uh, so you can write that down and mark the date. Uh, but I. I do, I do think there are some of the people on the forums that actually had a valid point. Like when you get into like to the 50, 50 clone ambush matches, like if you if you start the match and it goes poorly immediately, yeah, you you like I don't care what you do, you may or may not be able to get one hundred and fifty points. Yeah, uh, and that's but that's the aforementioned ambush really really sucks as a game mode. Um, but yeah, no, no, I'm with you. I'm I, just, I, I can, I, but people I played with, so. people I played with have gotten under one hundred points. I mean, maybe maybe it would be better if there was also like if it was like 150 war points or you died at least four times. <laughs> so if you're getting that could farmed, be farmed too. You well, get, now you get farmed you now get. with. Oh god, then you're gonna have people jumping out of the MCC. No, 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 no. You my glory days. <laughs> no, you you'd, you'd have to put like killed by another player. You know, you'd have you'd have to at least. I think, have been I think, shot we're, by, I think by. we're already stretching CCP's ability to to monitor and track at this point. Um, but but you know for, for you know for a fair statement, I do like the idea behind it. But it's in in a, in a weird way, I'm starting to see a trend in this one, um, and I'll kind of save it towards the end. But it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like I I like the idea and concept, but I'm not sure it was a, a fleshed out idea or thought out in terms of what are the second third order effects. Um, does that kind of does that kind of make sense, guys? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, like I said, a, a lot of small things, but I did read, flip through the patch notes again real quick. Still didn't see anything about the new sockets, which I've only seen the flyover that JDIC posted, I think. Uh, I think that was you, right, JDIC? You posted yeah, 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 yeah. Dropship flyover. Um, I, that's the only time I've seen them, to, to the best of my knowledge, uh, in game so far. But plenty of people have been posting uh, immigrants on them, so they're clearly in-game. Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting, like that between that, the rodent sniper rifle, and who knows what else has maybe wiggled its way in there that we haven't found yet or it hasn't hit the forums yet. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, what I would like to do is uh, hop right onto the war barge piece. Um, 
I will I will lead it off uh, very briefly with a brief description and kind of like slide the red meat into the table. So the war barge is basically the building block piece of many of the future really, you know hot fixes patches point releases whatever you want to call them uh, coming out for dust at least on the current Trello roadmap. Uh, the war barge, in theory, would be a linchpin piece to not only an individual Merck's activity uh, inside the New Eden world in terms of what he can do, the benefits he can gain, and resources that he can personally draw upon, but it would also have a corporative benefit, um, not a corporate, but a corporative benefit in that when you coalesce those benefits together under a corporate structure of a some other version of a war barge, a flotilla or something, um, you would start to accrue command points or you would, you would, you would get other benefits that would then lead you down the road of competitive or organized, uh, team and structured play. So this was really kind of one of those cornerstone pieces, I think in the, as we started to move forward with the current direction that dust is in, uh, the war barge went in, uh, and then after much discussion, by the way, much discussion and feedback, I would say on the forums, uh, a lot of chat, including on the show about what the war barge is supposed to do, what we think it's going to do. And what I, upon review, this is just my personal assessment. There was a lot of conceptual discussions. There were a few people getting into the nitty gritty numbers, but when it all came out, I, I'm fairly confident that the war barge wasn't, for some reason, what was discussed in the forums, it was just really hard to translate into what the players thought they were going to see. Uh, or what they had in their idea that they were going to see in this first release is the best way I can describe it in terms of the actual mechanics of using the war barge and really what it gave you. And, and I hate to say it, but the kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, Nintendo esque graphic picture of the war barge. In fact, I think the stuff that Denny Fleetfoot, you know, AKA Kevin Longstride posted like the actual artwork that he posted on Twitter looked better than what's, I mean, that was like, just mock-ups look better than what's actually in the game on my PS3. Um, Which amuses me. Yeah, but but anyway, there there was, uh, I think, a very clear gap in terms of what players expected uh, and then what we got. And then you overlay on top of that the Orem issue or the acceleration of filling or maxing your war barge uh, by utilizing Orem. And that has... I think, to say the least, created uh, some very uh, some some very critical tensions going on right now in the community uh, amongst each other uh, a little bit, but it's fairly polarizing towards CCP. And much of the comments uh, that I've seen, or at least some of the couple of people I've talked to in Skype over the last couple of days, is that uh, they view the monetization outlay that came out in Warlords as um, you know, taken in conjunction with the other monetization efforts over the last probably six months, that, that there's a lot of people are kind of semi-officially saying we think that we've hit pay to win. And that's debatable, but uh, they're they're definitely in a slide where it's it's pay to compete. Let me put it that way. Uh, so I, I will I will kind of leave all that at at this point, and I'll slide this over uh, and let you guys kind of hash it out. One thing I would actually like to lead off with, if you don't mind, is if Pokey, if you could kind of take the con for just a minute, can you describe a little bit about, um, I, I think, because you had a very, very crystallized post on this earlier, what you thought the, uh, the war barge was going to be from your comments, because I think you did the most numbers work of anybody that I know of on this. 
um, what you thought the war barge was going to be versus what you saw and what you got. Uh, sure. I mean, as far as numbers go, I mean, it's kind of up in the air. We weren't really given any numbers, but I think probably the, the biggest shocking features that people notice is that um, while the component production of the war barge is completely passive, which means you can't really speed it up anyway, uh, I think that the, the price of the upgrades is much steeper than people really expected. It's much steeper than I expected. I think uh, some people are, are saying it, it takes about three years. I, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what I'm hearing. It takes about three years to fully upgrade the war barge um, just by waiting for the components to produce um, passively. And considering we have five out of 14 subsystems and it takes three years to upgrade them, that's a little shocking because uh, people are a little unsure what the lifespan of dust looks like. And I, I think they were expecting to perhaps get a bit more in a period of time than they are. So that, that's that's a little problematic. Um, I think where the, the, the monetization issue comes with is, is like I said, it, it takes a very long time to upgrade them. Um, but that aside, CCP said that, well, we don't want people blowing through their upgrades, you know, too quickly. We want them to kind of, you know, get them over a period of time and not, you know, max it out in a week. And that's, you know, that's understandable. I mean, regardless of how long it takes, you don't want people to, to blow through your content in, you know, a week. But the issue comes is that you can not only buy those passively generated components with Aurum, you can also speed up the upgrade process with Aurum. So they claim that they don't want you blowing through the upgrades too quickly, but you can literally buy them entirely with Aurum and completely negate that effect, which I think is a big issue. It's my big issue with the monetization of the system. Well, with components anyways, components bought with Aurum. Right. You, you buy the components, you spend the components to upgrade, and then the, the, the subsystem goes into a cooldown until it can be upgraded again, but you can spend Aurum to negate that cooldown. Yeah. So you could basically upgrade everything in a day if you have enough money. Kane knows because well, Kane did it. <laughs> he, he actually is better to speak on the numbers than I am. I, I have not spent money on this on the war barge yet, so he he actually has. So if you want to talk about that, uh, so at first Gander, uh, if you had a level two, you would fifty ish days, sixty ish days to upgrade um, the barge to level five. The real um, patient, like the long haul upgrades, are when you start upgrading the actual subsystems themselves. So, like, level 0 to 1 is 200 components for your barge. Level, you know, 1 to 2 level barge is uh, 1,119. Level 2 to 3 is uh, 2,400. Level 3 to 4 is 40. And level 5 is 6,300. So the uh, uh, increase in warport component, uh, the, the increase in war barge component that for the barge itself. When you take a look at subsystems, though, it gets very aggressive very rapidly. So level zero is free. So as you unlock subsystems, as you level up, then, um, okay, so level zero to one is 300. Then the next level is 2,700. Uh, the next, that is then 10,000. The level after that is then 29,000. And then the fifth level is 51,000. Just real quick for a frame of reference, if you have your war barge factory at level five, how many components a day are you making? Let's see. Roughly. 500, level, I think. Uh, level zero is 200 a day. Yeah, it's 200. So 200, 400, 600. I'm going to go with JDX 500 because I can't hear you, Kane. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, no, I think yeah, it's higher than that. Yeah. It's 700. 700? Okay. 700 or 700 at max. I don't, have, I don't have the specific numbers for the factory in front of me. 
so 700 at max and and then at face value you basically divide that by whatever your the cumulative number of war barge points like yeah i could see where this adds up really quick it's subsystems though it's not the actual bark no no, no I'm, I'm tracking that that's that's one bit but you're still paying for it all with components like unless you like the theory is that if you bought nothing like if you put no orm into it what is your you know what's your your start to finish uh completion time uh i could i could see it because it does raise exponentially so i could i could kind of see how how it could get up there real quick i'm on the no ore train and uh i am currently waiting i'm close i think Maybe tomorrow night I can maybe get to, to my level two warp arch. Nope, I still got like three days for some reason. Well, and that's the thing is that you upgrade your warp arch to one, and then you're waiting like four or five days to upgrade to two, and you gain really no benefit in that time. So for the first like week of the warp arch, it's doing nothing except upgrading its ability to upgrade things. It, it feels a lot like those you know benefitless skills that we have in the skill system, which we're trying to get well, rid of. So. The, I think, and, and part of the crux of this, so here's, and this is where I think a little bit of the discussion about, um, without maybe, I don't know if this is a good place to get into it, but what is pay to win versus something else? I, I don't know. I know that, what I, I think, Sarai, the definition that you, you use uh, or have used on the show is if it's, if it's an item or an advantage, you cannot otherwise get through the game. Is that roughly accurate? Yeah, as long as, as, as long as you can get the same benefit in time, you know, um, then you're you're not pay to win. Uh, okay, all right, and I think I could also add a caveat to that is, and, and by the way, pay to win is very much subjective. Like I don't, I'm, I'm not sure there's an industry standard for what pay to win is, but uh, the other thing I would offer is that you, you can have pay to compete, you know, like which is. I think where this is getting, which is very close to pay to win, if not right up to the line. Um, the other thing is, while you may technically be able to achieve the same effect with no real money purchases, you get to a point where it's simply not practical to do so. So, yeah. th- and that's that's where I think the meat of the issue is right now. Yeah, I, it's I, just I, utterly not practical to do so. I would be, you know, I would say that. Um, I, I would agree. There's a, there's definitely a valid concern in that, uh, you know, the the SP bonus sort of thing, or not the SP bonus, the um the damage bonus that needs to be really quickly available to everyone because otherwise you are imbalancing the game with or, a large mechanic. It should have never been like I, like well yeah, I, I mean, never I mean, even put in the game. Yes, and and I you know I I clearly do not agree with. Uh, in-game bonuses out of Warbird upgrades, but we do have it, and you know, it it needs to be something that people get very quickly, at least, so that it is, you know, it equalizes out. It doesn't even make sense to me. Well, so. more aside, I mean, it kind of goes into what Jay was saying, is that it gets to a point where, and this goes back to what I was saying about how you are locked behind a timer if you don't pay with Aurum. It will take you an exact amount of time to get somewhere there's very little way to speed up the process. You can well, get very components. Much the same thing with the skill system for the last yeah. two years. Uh, well, not quite. Not quite. Let me get there. I mean, they're, they're, technically, components can drop from battle. It's extremely rare. I've yet to have it happen. Some people have had it happen in very limited quantities. But generally speaking, you cannot play more 
to speed up the generation of components. I think I think that in itself is an issue. The other issue is that because you're locked behind a timer, completely behind a timer, and nothing you can do can speed that up, and then you have the ORM side of it, which unlocks things instantly if you so choose, you now have a system where you can have everything. You can literally buy subsystems with zero effort involved, or you can sit and wait. And yeah. I mean, to, 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 to clarify, I have no issue with CCP making money. I, I don't have an issue with them using Orem to expedite the, the, the war barge process. I don't have an issue with you buying components. I don't have an issue with you using Orem to speed up your cooldowns. What I have an issue with is doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think you should still have to wait, even if you use Orem. Or I, I mean, preferably, I think you should have to earn the components via a small passive game like we currently have and then a more active means. And then if you yeah. want to use Orm to speed the cool up, the cooldowns uh, faster, that's fine. I, I think that would be ideal. I really don't like the purchase well, of components there, of Orm. There would be a good note to potentially having more components in end of match salvage, so that there's yes. that there's a more active way to push that forward. Or looking at the component system though and the fact that we're maybe approaching a, a planetary conquest update to me war barge components seems like perfect like a perfect thing to potentially add to what planetary conquest may generate in terms of districts or raids or what have you because um, it would be a commodity that everyone can use what the, the... but can everyone have access to get those the thing i don't know you could run into problems there. I mean, if the rate, see, that's the thing. If the PC design is actually, you know, works in terms of opening up gameplay in terms of raids and all these other ways to play at lower stakes and stuff like that. And one of, you know, one of these things you access is the, the components. I don't know. I think it could work. But yeah. I, mean, I, I got to tell you, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't disagree with it. Uh, but the one thing that this week has done is put into a certain level of contrast is like there were a lot of second and third order effects that were just simply not fleshed out or thought through in this. I I don't even want to talk about PC economy right now until we've get, till we get this, like, like some of the vanilla shit out of the way. I mean, does that make sense? What I'm saying? I mean, cause, cause they're all so interdependent. Like we, we need to make sure I think the bedrock is, really dialed in before we get really I, I like i like the concept that you're laying out i'm just i'm concerned right now that we don't we don't have a stable base with which to work from and i know we're all kind of working towards ideas that, that would get us that stability also i would like to point out that if you make it to where you can only get uh, these things actively through PC that would kind of leave out everybody who doesn't play PC which is a lot of people no you still have you need to the south aspect i've gotten probably 200 or 300 components in total from salvage over my I haven't gotten any not at once this well remember 50, kane, kane is rolling back. big on luck this week so oh yeah, yeah that's, that's right true. i forgot that's but i think i was about to say i got like a grand total of five different components like some smashed heat sinks and like some other like random things but it was like yeah, literally was five thing. pieces only <laughs> And I can confirm that they're in boxes, too, because I got 234 components from a box. <laughs> Wait, those count as Warbarts components? I don't think those are the same No, no, thing. Those, no, 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 no. The, I, I used the key on a box, and it was and inside of the box was 234 Warbarge components. Ah, uh, okay. Because cool. that means I built my part of my barge with a box. 
But I, something kind of it's interesting, like on the roadmap they're talking about with a player training mechanic, like a simple one at least. It might help with this, but it could throw a big monkey wrench into the whole system too. One thing I think that's become really clear observing the component system and in terms of the planetary conquest stuff, using components donated to generate command points is completely out and bonkers I to do. Totally, totally oh, yes. agree with that. <laughs> yeah, that. That would blow the pay to win yeah. to a Yeah. Oh, I could defend my district as many times as I want because I just dropped, you know, X number of, you know, thousands of dollars on ore to well, buy components. Not even money. Like, <laughs> I was talking with Jay earlier on this and it was brought up in the forums, but you could you could just set up a simple, like, alt farm on one machine. All you need is just 16 profiles and you could generate, like, upwards of what would be like $50 worth of ore purchase on components just in two days. Yeah, and I think that goes into the line of uh, maybe it's shifted a little bit away from and more into active generation through like matches and stuff like that. Yeah, that, yeah, it's, definitely. It's yeah. fun to get stuff in the south, like stuff like warbar at the end of a match. You know, like you know, you see a frontline suit, you're like, ah, eh, warbarge component. Now with this new system, you'll be like, ooh, that's cool. That's something I can immediately. See, if I was able to get warbarge components out of doing matches, I wouldn't even care. I would just be like, yes, I would just play a lot. That would actually get me playing. Well, it's the perception of also playing the game. I mean, you, you want to feel rewarded in regards to your war barge by playing the game rather than I'm going to sit here and watch it cook for a month and eventually get what I want out of it. I want to actually feel rewarded for, for playing and, and winning with making my war barge perform better. And you just don't get that because it, it's just a timer. Yeah, one one thing I did want to ask, and this, and basically, uh, as I was making some notes for the show tonight, uh, I ran across uh, several small inconsistencies inconsistencies in the discussion about what the war barge is uh, to a dust merc, uh, and then sort of where it fits in the scheme of things. And one of the ones that caught my eye uh, was they noted several several pieces. I don't want to say the word component too much because it'll, it'll confuse things, but several facets of the war barge that would, in theory, benefit newer players faster. That kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> but there's some real, but there's some real, you know, uh, very very odd things about how they describe some of this. So one of the things I would I would point out is that, I, and maybe I missed it, and I t I totally think it, it's very possible that it was said somewhere, but I just didn't catch it. But I. Did anybody else expect that you could pick what subsystem to put on your war barge? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, from reading the post, I did not expect it. Because, like, I read the forms, and the forms were like, you will get this component, uh, you will get this subsystem when it's unlocked, and it will not be changeable. Right, but I, 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 I did not read that to be, like, I would, I would follow the yellow brick road that, uh, that CCP laid out. I, I thought it was literally going to be like, I unlock the module slot. And then I I can go purchase the module to put in there. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I thought because I thought I was going to be able to um, make a whole bunch of component factories and just farm out. No, I mean what I got is what I expected. But think, I can under think I can how under crazy it would be if you could stack uh, all the uh, damage bonus modules. Well, no, like like for okay. So for example, okay. one of the ones that they indicated was. Uh, the what is it the virtual reality training sp stimulator thing that basically and it, that gives you a, a bump to your passive uh, sp it was clearly stated that this will be a boon to new players yet it's like the third thing that you unlock 
So yes. they put that deeper in the pool to get to. It's and in fact, it's. I mean, at least they put the damage bonus in front of that, which I'm. I'm still mildly amazed that they that they use damage like raw damage, uh, omni damage, in fact, as the bonus, the in-game bonus that you get. So, I mean, and here's the deal: like, basically, if you do play competitively, com- competitively, you will have that module to five. Like, if anything else, you're going to have that one to five. It- percent by the way not five percent yeah no no i mean like level five excuse me in a game that that brags about choice and player freedom it's odd to have such a linear upgrade path like that like i fully expected you would you couldn't like stack the same subsystem but you could at least pick the order in which you wanted to build them you know i think that they expected people to actually pay into the system especially new players and it's like no i don't i really don't no, I, well, I think Gordon, you, you hit the the nail on the head. Is there is a clear expectation that people will buy in buy Orem, uh, which into the system, the monetization system. I would also reference you these things called Apex drop suits, which were billed and sold as things that will let new guys compete with veterans because it's a quote unquote proto drop suit. Um, yeah, not so much. Build. That's the problem. Well, yeah, I'm with you. I and mean, then they cost too much, and it's no. Yeah, but the, the issue is that there are a lot of people that have already sunk real or, like real money in the form of Orm into their war barges. A lot of people have done that at, until they till they, they very quickly do the math that they're like, oh, wait. So I, I can get the components, but it's really when you want to eliminate the cooldown that you start buying the Orm, like for yeah. real use. At, honestly, though, the, buying the Orem for to eliminate the cooldowns is the worst investment you can make. I'm not saying it's a good investment. I'm saying that's where I think a lot of the initial Orem went. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I would say that there is more Orem spent on probably killing cooldowns than actually upgrading barges. Sure, because you get basically no bonus for the first you know few upgrades that you get, and then, and. You know, I could see, I could see a scenario where probably a lot of people are getting like, you know, was it like a nine dollar Orem pack or whatever, and and the first time that they do the math and they sink in like, oh, that's only like three hundred, you know, components or whatever. Let me buy some components. They do that, and then it's like it's two thousand seven hundred sixty one components, and I think that's the real number to like kill your cooldown. It's like say what, and then that number goes up exponentially too based on the time of the cooldown. Um, the, one of the cooldowns I remember was a 21-day cooldown. I forget what between which levels. To get a 21 cooldown was 100,000 components, I think. No, mm, or 50,000 components, one or the other. The, like, here's what I can't figure out. Why did they not just put the components, quote-unquote, the, the subsystems on the market for ISK and or Orem? And, like, I, that's actually, like, I was hoping that that's what they would do, just like I, in an EVIBE go out and buy like a damage control too for a ship, you know, I could go in and purchase the subsystem, um, you know, module for my war barge. And, and then I can pick which one I wanted to do first and I can load it up and I can pay for it in either ISK or I can pay for it in ORM or whatever. But that would would totally defeat their, that would have defeated their monetization strategy though. I don't know. That might've, you might've still gotten people paying money for it time you would have drained a lot of the excess isk that's been floating around in the economy i mean too that would have worked with like if your war barge could be destroyed like if you lose x number of matches your war barge is destroyed and then you have to build up a new Uh, one 
I, I hate the Rockies. I, I just like to point that out in real life and in any game, too. Okay, Godin, that's incredibly helpful. I'm sorry, Jadik, what were you saying? I, I think I was finished there. Okay, I can tell. Sorry. Um, so I, I guess now that we've we've gotten like round one of the gripes, bitches, and complaints out for um, you know for the war barge, uh, I think I, I think we really need to probably tie into what might be some solutions here. Um, and, and and unless unless you guys wanted to further go down the road of um, what exactly is the monetization strategy? Because I actually, I was gonna, I was either gonna get that out separately later, or we can do it now. I could, we can do it either way. Well, I just want you know one thing though. Uh, you know, there was some pretty heated, you know, reaction to the barge, but at the same time, CCP did respond pretty quickly to some of the the issues, uh, the um, issue of selling back components for for money. You know, potentially being an issue that was that's been resolved. That was um, fast. Yeah, <laughs> they only sell back for four. Or uh, ISK now per component before they were selling back for uh, around a thousand, so that's been n- neutered. Um, the lab itself was very lackluster initially. I mean, you was you were spending hundreds of components to claim, th- which was apparently a mistake, to claim like standard items, and not only that, the upgrade path was just your RNG gets better, and R- uh, yeah, just your RNG getting better is nasty. But they've already changed that dramatically to where. Upgrading the lab increases the number of things you make per day and how much you can store, very similar to all of the other subsystems. Um, and also, But you are guaranteed an, exper- an experimental or officer item uh, when you claim items from the lab. And that actually includes officer suits. Hmm. It's actually not a bad way to, way to approach it, I think. Um, okay. I mean, CCB hasn't been de- uh, hasn't been completely tone deaf to there being issues with the bar. No, no, I, I clearly, I and I think, and and it's probably as good of a spot as any to address it because it probably needs to be. Um, there's when I say there was tensions, there's some clear tensions over this this week. It, it was clearly some tension between CCP in the form of really Rattati because he is effectively CCP to most Dust players. Um, and several members of the community. And I, like you could tell over the course of the week that his, the way he was responding to certain things, he was, it was obviously things were getting, uh, he, he was getting more and more aggravated. Uh, and I think perhaps he, he may have re- returned fire a little bit too heavy handed in a couple, couple instances. However, I, you know, put yourself in his position. He's obviously an invested player as well as, part of the development team and and he's put a lot of his personal time and effort and invested a lot of himself into trying to make the game better. So absolutely no, I don't think anybody will, will disagree with that. Uh, so when something that he want, he probably wanted very badly to go over really well, uh, kind of stumbles out of the gate and, and, and kind of takes a little bit of a header onto the ground. Um, I, I can see where there's a lot of frustrations on his part as well. So there, there's a lot of tension, uh, I think, going up and down on both sides. Uh, and I, I will admit there's a little bit of a defensive tone in some areas from CCP, but you're right. They did, they do acknowledge that there's, there's clearly some, some things that need to be addressed. And so I, I think that there's a good baseline to start a dialogue with the community from on that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, obviously when you're going to be releasing what's the next major update. I mean, this this is 1.0 of Warlords. 
you, you want it to go well. And unfortunately, the player base is extremely bitter and they react to pretty much anything that doesn't go well with extreme prejudice. And I mean, when you're the only guy, aside from maybe a handful of others actually looking at this stuff, the, the, the stress of people beating on you gets built up pretty quick. And I mean, Retai is a pretty classy guy, but we're all human and eventually he's going to kind of snap, which I think kind of happens. I mean, I mean, I've expressed myself in, in my own thread, just like, you know, I don't mean to be passive aggressive. If I'm, I'm offering criticism is, is people are trying to be constructive. They're upset, but they're trying to be constructive and try not to, to take it too badly. Cause I think people really do mean well. I mean, I've said this before that the reason people get so upset is because they really do care about the game and they're rough around the edges and the language they use is often uh, aggravating and <clears throat> excuse me, aggravating and, and, uh, and combative. But overall, the reason people are, are like that is because they do care and just CCP and Rattati need to remember that and try to be patient with, with the dust player base because we are <laughs> kind of bitchy, but we do mean well at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody needs to, to be patient with everybody to, to some degree. I mean, um, you know, my, my, my biggest concern, to be honest, is, is that, uh, um, you know, I, I'm a little scared that someday Rattati's just gonna be like, okay, I'm sick of this <laughs> But, you know, because it's a riot. It's, I, I mean, it's a really, <laughs> yeah, go to Riot. Oh, good God, Riot. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's, he probably works in a horrifically high stress environment when you think about it, because he's going from like, every other day he's he's gravitating between people thinking he's the greatest thing ever to um you know absolutely you know trashing what he, he's been working on to like you know then he says okay well this is how we're gonna fix it and then everyone loves him again until you know the next patch that has issues and that's like really really stressful <laughs> um i'm really glad my job is not that stressful and i do not want to work a job that stressful <laughs> Well, I, I can totally understand that. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and I guess I can go ahead and bring it up here. The uh, one of the the I think the the longer the longer the longer reaching frustrations right now I have is like uh, like I can get past like needing to tweak numbers in the war barge and rework mechanics. I personally think that this patch was it feels very rushed. Um, there's a lot of things that feel not polished or thought through in it uh, or, or documented well. And it's very circa dust 18 months ago, uh, which by the way is not a good thing, but I think the reasons are different. I think a lot of the reasons are because Rattati is trying to meet the goals that he set for himself to the community. And I think he's doing with, with not a lot of assets and resources, um, which is very different than what it was 18 months ago, which was a lot of assets and resources with no direction and no focus. So uh, it's literally the inverse of the problem, but where, what I, I would posit that you're seeing is perhaps some of the same symptoms coming out of it. Um, so that aside, I, I think what concerns me is what is the long-term monetization strategy? And one of the things that really caught my eye was uh, one of the C, CPM members, uh, Denny Fleetfoot, aka Kevin Longstride, uh, he, he had a very eloquent post that he posted uh, in Pokey's thread about the war barge, which was a very well received and very well thought out thread in general, by the way, uh, of pretty much everybody putting up, putting input into it. Um, I, I think he captured a lot of good points in there, but he seemed very, I don't know, accepting is not the word, but very supportive of, as he described it, a clash of clans style 
monetization strategy for Dust. And then he referenced, hey, this is a, this is a very popular thing for, you know, free-to-play mobile games. I, I took a lot of issue with that, as did several people in the, in the community, in that, one, Dust is not a free-to-play mobile game. Two, it's not Clash of Clans. And there's a reason that a lot of people, like a lot of fairly serious gamers, don't play games like that because they are pay-to-win. And they're pay-to-win not so much in that there's literally things that you can't get necessarily through in-game effort, but you you can't practically get them. So let's say... Um, go ahead. I, w- I would like to say that that's not actually true. You, you can get stuff, but the time span in which you can get those same things is ridiculously short when you pay so, money in. So like, say, ne- getting, like, um, soldiers, right? You can just pay and just get all the soldiers you want. If you let me finish, I will describe okay. that to you. So continue to play the crew and drive across the Rockies and hate it. Oh, I, um, I, I'm out of the Rockies. I'm in okay. California now. I'm, that's absolutely outstanding. So please continue to drive. Okay. Uh, as I was describing, uh, what you what you get into a scenario is just what we talked about earlier with Zell is, is it truly pay to win and there are items you cannot physically get without paying money or does it become so impractical that you almost must pay money? Um and that is very much the track that we're on. And then, you know, something struck me that uh, CCP Rouge's background, it was uh, centered around not only production of games, but the monetization of games. Uh, and then Freebeer's uh, a noteworthy member of the, uh, the kind of the old guard community. He noted that CCP uh, has also got another former EA member, uh, guy by the name of, I think, John Decker, who's was like the lead of the monetization strategy uh, for EA for a long time uh, and probably knows CCP Rouge quite well, I suspect, uh, from their time in EA. And, and and both of them, again, go down the road of how do you how do you get money out of games? Again, not a bad thing, but uh, you can definitely see a track that we're on in terms of monetization strategy that is, in my mind, like it makes me actually reevaluate like how much support that I will give Dust Five One Four going forward. I'm just going to throw it out there that uh, assumptions of of what EA you know former EA employees have had to do with um, you know design decisions in Dust is um, probably Bam Havoc level tinfoil. So how much how much say does CCP Ritati have over the monetization strategy and setting the price point? I don't know how much he, he sets the, the actual price point because um, we don't know the price point before release. Um, sure. But uh, I can ask. But, I, I mean, I, I would say that uh, it would be a pretty out-there assumption to assume what employees are involved in um, what strategies. Well, I, I, think, I think you're missing my point in your desire to defend CCP at this point. Um, what I'm getting at is that you have a game that needs to make money. The only way the game is going to make money is through some form of monetization. I don't think anybody disagrees. I don't think anybody has a problem with that. Uh, but the way the game is going now, it's uh, clearly amping up the microtransaction uh, transaction model to, and you know, I think rightly so. Denny said it like near iPad mobile app gaming levels, which is not probably good the the time scales i think in a lot of these scenarios i think godin was actually kind of making a good point though the time scales though 
on these things are vastly different. Vastly. Like, um, I was just running some numbers. So, like, level level a level 4 subsystem to a level 5 subsystem is 51,000 components, right? So, a level, uh, uh, you know, 200 things a day. I mean, you're looking at almost a year just for one upgrade. Well, and here's what's here's what bothering me. Like, how did that, like, if if everybody thinks that that's a problem right now in the community, which I, I'm not sure I know anybody that doesn't, um, and there may, there probably is some people, like, I, don't, I don't know, but the fact that those numbers went out like that makes me very concerned. Because if there's anything that CCP Rotati can do well, like other, other than actually, you know, do CPR on a game, it's do numbers. Yeah. That's that's what spreadsheet. That's what I cannot figure out about this. So it, it really, I, I mean, it definitely seems like I don't know. Like that's by the way, that's one of the reasons why I'm not entirely sure he's he's the guy that drives the train on how the ORM works. He, he's like, yes, we monetize it by doing these following things. Then I, I I think somebody else is probably on the business model side. The actual making money side is probably trying to figure out how do you how do you hit the the quote unquote sweet spot for money. And one of the things about um, um, CCP's monetization model up to this point has been uh, pay to grind less has been kind of the mantra of the game. You know, you can get you can get a, a proto weapon at level three in a skill. You can pay to not have to grind out that SP. All the SP can be gained via match. You can also buy a booster that then makes it to where you get more SP per ma- actively match that you play. So pay to grind less. Um, I think uh, uh, someone mentioned in the, uh, the Biomash channel, it's almost, it, it kind of strikes close to the pay to, pl- uh, you know, uh, pay to play kind of thing. But I, I th- yeah. it's, um, it's still, it's almost like, it's like a, a pay to grind less, but the grind on the other side of it is, somewhat extreme if you think about how rare uh keys are and how rare um component drops are in terms of end of match salvage you know and and i've heard a couple of people saying well yeah but we've always had these boosters and this that and the other and there's a a fallacy there there yeah right so the the fallacy to me is that let's say with you know seven to nine million sp well spent in a very focused way you can be incredibly competitive with somebody with 20 million SP. Uh, it's it's just a matter because you're only using one sort of one set of SP skills at a time, if you will. So that that was always yeah, kind of a false argument for me in terms of like you could buy SP faster. And well, especially if you look at the the fact that how linear the like you were saying linear progression of the barge. If you look at how it's linear, there's definitely it's not like I can say okay, this barge is this way, but I think I'm gonna pick and choose. He's gone. This component. <sighs> and then I'm going to do maybe this. You're, you're cutting in and out really bad, bro. I'm sure he's trying to answer. <laughs> I mean, the way now, I'm seeing is if you... If you oh, sorry, go ahead, Keen. I was just filling the space. I'm trying to remember where I was at. It seems that you can't pick and choose what you're going to level up, like you were saying. Like, I can choose I'm going to be a, the best assault player there is, so I'm going to lose. But I can't say I'm going to get the you know, the damage subsystem as my first unlock. I, I think, I think where he's going with that before he cut out was, um, the other, the other difference in the war barge versus booster or SP, 
discussion was that you could actually pick and choose where you spent your SP versus the war barge that sort of locks you into a path, I think. So on that note, Pokey, please fill some silence. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you took the current war barge system and applied it to the skill system, it would basically be like saying, okay, you have nothing but passive SP gain. Nothing you do in match increases it, except for every once in a while, you get a little extra um, SP. But if you spend Aurum, you can buy SP, upgrading your skills instantly to whatever you want. That's what it would look like. And people would have a, a huge issue with that. And so it, it's no wonder that they're upset with the way the war barge works. So kind of in regards to this like linear, linear progression, like what did they have in mind for the 14th slot? Like a little doomsday? That's a good question. I mean, because I mean, there's only five subsystems, sub correct? Uh, at the moment, but there's like fourteen, 14 empty bot, slots. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I like the fact that they they're building in flexibility. I, I assumed it down the like I actually small turret from Eve. Well, just fit it on there. <laughs> I think I think the uh, to me the long term would have been I would have rather them had fifteen fifteen different modules, but only five slots. If that makes sense. And then you're you're customizing and picking and choosing what advantages and resources that you want to do accrue uh, utilizing your war barge. And actually, by the way, to Godin's point earlier about you know what if you what if you wanted to sacrifice other benefits in order to pull more more uh, components or whatever, and you wanted to load up X number of modules of uh, factories in your ship and make it a factory ship, I actually don't have a problem with that. Uh, you know, I think you. You know where it kind of comes off the rails is obviously you cannot, you should not be able to stack any kind of in-game benefit, and there probably should be some sort of stacking penalty on some of it. But I actually don't think there's necessarily a problem with it. Then you get into JDX discussion of how easy this is to alt farm, and and by the way, the fir the first thing that I thought of, other than how this could impact uh, the competitive balance of of dust, was actually RMT, like real money trading. Um, because I could easily see a scenario if you can make Aurum value that easy for nothing, like you basically have a, a real money faucet for a little while, because they would eventually turn it off. They would eventually crack down on it. But you could very conceivably come up with an RMT scheme pretty easily for particularly if they ever got it to where you could send somebody components or send a corporation components. Like if they ever did that and didn't have the have some of these issues ironed out, it, it would it would be an incredibly toxic situation in the game. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so I guess we were at the point where we start asking, well, what can we do or what, what by we, I mean the royal we, but um, what are the most practical solutions that can be implemented um, reference to war barges? Like what are the things that we probably, we would, if we had CCP Rattati amongst our midst, what would we describe to him as, hey, look, here, here's the top three or five things that we really think you need to do, uh, like in the next, I don't know, month, if you will. What do you guys think? I got one, a good one. Make a game mode where we could, instead of getting this, get war barge components, and that would be the active way of getting them. So change one of the game modes to basically your, your end of match payout is not an ISK, it's in components? Yeah. Okay. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, kind of, Planetary you know. conquest. That'd be uh, painful. That'd be painful. 
Why would it be painful? Because you, 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 do... you need ask. You no, get I wouldn't for, say uh, PC or uh, FW. Or you could have it a way to where you could get those in PC and FW. But I wouldn't say just necessarily only PC or FW. Or have a mixture, something like that. Yeah, have a way to get it. But it seems yeah. salvage. Seems end of match salvage is the easiest way. But it's way really to... rare to get that in salvage. But that's sure. Problem. But that can be tweaked. I, that, I yeah. think. I think that it's. I think it's pretty clear that that I think the war barge system that that the numbers need tweaking. Um, you know, and there's obviously there's a lot of stuff that they're planning to add on throughout the life of this release, Warlords One Point X. Um, but I mean, I think it's. I, I think the numbers need tweaking. There needs to be, um, you know, adjustments to the way um, salvage is put out for it, and the way stuff is generated and things. Oh, I just finished. I mean, it comes down to perception. I mean, I, I want to feel like by playing the game, I gain benefits. So if I have to get components in lesser amounts more frequently, that's going to feel more rewarding, even if the amount of components I'm getting per hour is very similar to what it currently is. Now, I think it should be much higher. I think passive component gain should be supplemental, and active component gain should be the primary, much like SP is. Um, but I, I think that you should be getting it constantly, maybe in slightly different amounts based off of performance. That'd be kind of cool if you won, you got more, but that, that's probably a bit more, more than a, a simple hotfix. But the fact of the matter is that upping that drop rate is, is instrumental in making it actually feel like I have a stake in, in making my war barge progress faster by playing the game rather than just watching it happen. Yeah. It would be wonderful if there was like a exploration type thing where we could just like go to this place and then like find chests full of these stuff or something on the lines of that. I, I don't want to play X on. I don't want to press X on a flower like in Destiny. Sorry. <laughs> no, not like that. I'm saying like sort of on the lines of what Eve has for exploration. But you I, know, like go to a place, uh, sort of like the ghost sites in Eve. I just think that's way out of the scope of what is going to be able I, to be no, accomplished. I'm, I get that. I'm saying I wish we could have that. That would just be wonderful, though. Well, as I go back to the what can we do in the, like, the next 30 days, like what, what could we do to fix some of this? Um, I think the number one thing is going to be uh, tuning the numbers. Yeah. I mean, as we, definitely I think Pokey, Pokey laid but, out a good case for that. But uh, like, it just this all doesn't feel right. It's the, the only way I could describe it. It's very intangible, but it's like a cumulative nature of a lot of things. I think there's two things. One, obviously, they need to quickly come up with something, some better formula for, uh, like, obviously, we're going to, there is going to be a formula that allows you to spend Orum to benefit your Warp Arch. 100%, I got that. Uh, but they cool. need to figure out what is, like, what's more tenable, uh, or what I, palatable is probably the better word. Um, and then the other, the other thing is, I think they're, yeah, I'll say this until the end because it, it'll. Uh, it's, it's probably not worth it right now, but I, I think that's the number one thing that they, they they can do. There's a lot of other things I think they should do, and I'm just I'm a little concerned right now with the shape that this uh, that this release went out. That's all. You know, I, I think something about the cooldowns that might make it more effective is if so. You increase the salvage, right? Then what you also do, I mean, you, the end of match salvage of these components, make it to where you can dump bit by bit into reducing a cooldown. Because right now it's all or nothing. That that feeling yeah, that of progression will be checked. Yeah. I'm sorry. What was that? I said that happens in a lot of those mobile games. You can just dump resources into lowering time spans. So like 
building stuff doesn't take as long. And there's ways to get those resources other than just buying them outright. Force com- force yeah, like attacking like small places that yes. are player-controlled. Yeah, a force commander has a model that's kind of very similar to Clash of Clans, and there's ways, like, you know, you can do certain missions and stuff like that to actually get the premium currency. In this case, it would be war barge components. So you get components and then dump it in, and it reduces, and you can reduce cooldown timers and stuff like that. But you can do it piecemeal. Uh, you can say, oh, okay, I've reduced it by this much, you know? I think the part that's the issue is that you have to have all of it at once right now. That's kind of silly. I, I think that they were, they didn't mean for it to be this bad, but it just ended up being this bad. I don't think that all of this was actually intentional. Maybe I'm I, wrong. I, don't I, I think a lot of it's a lot of it's a good idea. It was just the way it was implemented, and perhaps the way the numbers worked out just didn't work. It didn't mesh right. And I mean, that's sometimes the sort of thing that you have to kind of let happen to see how you can fix it. I think a lot of this could have been avoided, but regardless, here we are. Um, but I, I, like I said before, my main issue is that I don't have an issue with, with buying components. I don't have an issue with speeding up cooldown with Aurum, which is bought with components. What I have an issue with is being able to do both. Because you can then, like I said, buy subsystems with Aurum. And I think one of those options has to go away. I, I personally would vote for removing the purchase to, to the ability to buy components. I think that's going to cause a lot of pain later down the line, especially if you make the warp barge do anything meaningful in terms of PC or other game modes, where it, it seems like everything is driven with components. So if you can just buy them outright, you're you're walking a very dangerous slope. And I, I'd count to nip that in the bud here and now and, and reserve the order either to a limited state of buying components or keep it solely to be uh, cool down uh, the, the upgrades faster. Um, I have a question. Is the reason why uh, the lab is based off of RNG because they haven't actually designed a way for you to actually build the stuff that you want now. So, so craft, is that why? So what? crafting is supposedly something later in the roadmap, is from what I can tell from looking. So uh, in terms of the back and forth about the lab, what's kind of come out of it is you're going to build stuff with the lab, but then you kind of ch- use the crafting to change whatever you get into what you want, which it seems a little odd, in terms of, you think you would just build what you want to begin with? Or, for a small nominal fee in Aurum, you could take that prototype Duval rifle and turn it into a, a you know, experimental rifle. That sounds, right? like, inefficient as fuck. Well, but saying. it sounds like a great way to make more Aurum self. Yeah, but that's just, like, money grubbing at that point. Right, what stupid. do you think it is now? <laughs> yeah. And, and, I'm, and, and don't get me wrong, that was probably, like, that was not a very... Um, that's probably not a helpful comment. I mean, the, the the short answer is that is that is kind of what it feels like because you know, lurking in the background of all this is, hey guys, the the fucking PS3 is like dinosaur age right now as far as a game console. So having having progression structures that unless you unless you pay for them, the progression will outlast probably by a factor of two the lifespan of the current game console you're playing is that's just insane. Yeah, I believe they announced that they're going to stop making console, oh, the the PlayStation Three console in 2016. The, the announcement was that they're they're uh, low, they're uh, one of the factories that produces a lot of the parts for it. They're retasking oh. to do something else. Okay, um, that doesn't say anything about how many they've built 
how many they're and maybe have in stock and how many they're building or even if that's the only place that can build the, those parts just that they're they're uh, you know r- ramping that down a bit and and putting that factory to work doing something else um that would cut down a significant amount of ps3s made though and probably they would start with like places that don't already buy a lot of ps3s in the first place so yeah that might get cut down a significant amount but i mean even the the production of the ps3 is no you know i mean there's a new game console and there are still people who buy ps3s today and there are still people who have have ps3s that have had them a long time that continue to play them um the fact that they tend to explode because they're poorly made devices in the first place aside um but you know it's yeah, the, the, if even if they're you know stopping production tomorrow, it doesn't change the fact that the reason that the the game is still played is because a lot of people still have them. Yeah, sure. I, I would I would also offer that I, I think 2015, like calendar year 2015, is. I mean, that's ultimately the year that things need to need to be sorted uh, for a lot of things. Reference dust, um, frankly, because the closer you get to first quarter 16, i.e. the fall of this year, um, you're going to have even less players now investing into a PS3 uh, or they're going to be gearing up for receiving a PS4. And I'm, I think it's been mentioned a couple of times, there's not a lot of people going to be producing anything for the PS3 come uh, first quarter FY16. So I think they really, they honestly probably by third or fourth quarter this year, which would be late summer, they need to have fairly publicly probably said, this thing's going to go the way of mag. We're going to not do anything with it. And it's going to turn off at X date. And we're putting all our eggs in whatever other basket because the PS3 will be no longer. Or their other option is basically they go full bore and uh, target probably, you know, the secondary markets in Central and South America and parts of parts of Asia, which I mean, you're seeing a large emerging population of those players now, mostly because it is a true free. To, it, it is a free to play game, you know, at least to a degree, up to a certain level. It's certainly you know free in terms of SP or or SP and all that kind of stuff. If you want, you can compete that way. Um, and there's a lot of PS3 still in that part of the country because they don't have the resources necessarily to to have a lot of liquid PS4s out on the market like you do in I didn't know the North US America and Europe. Operated in Asia. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, just that was my point is that I, I think trying to hang a monetization strategy uh, out as saying, well, and this is a total aside though. Uh, I'll I could probably not go into it, but I, I think in terms of how we monetize and what's going on with the game, they really, they're They have a lot of decisions that have to be made in calendar year 15, uh, and and probably the players at some point will get, you know, they're going to be left holding the bag, and that's just how it works in the video game world. Um, it just, it, it would, I really wish that they would be a tad more open with us about the long term pieces, pieces and vision for what they want out of uh, want out of dust. Yeah, I mean, you've had several CPM hinted at, uh, you know, what the the future of the the game is going to be on the, and on what console, but. You know, we need something more concrete than that, especially when you you've got a system that's 
implying multiple years of continued use and we are still twiddling our thumbs unsure what's going to happen. I mean, people will receive long-term systems a lot better if they know that their system is actually going to be long-term, you know? Yeah. If you, if you want people to, to pay money, this, you know, there's ways to do that and this is probably not it. Yeah. I mean, I'll come out and say right now, you put dust on the PS4, uh, my wallet will die on, on the CCP's doorstep pretty much. I mean, I, I will be far more inclined to play the game a lot more if it's on a PS4 because my PS3 is dying. I probably won't buy another one because it's the only game I play on PS3 and I, I don't really want to buy a new system to play Dust. So it, it really needs to happen. I mean, I don't want to, you know, uh, sound like a broken record here, but it, it really needs to happen. So it needs to move to PS4. I think that if they went along with that subscription model that we were talking about where you could get like an SP bonus and stuff like that, I think that people actually bite onto that more than this. That was actually, that, that was one of the things I posted today was um, like, I, I do not like uh, microtransaction style games. That's why I don't play freemium mobile games. You know, that that's why I do not like that model. Uh, but if I think I'm getting value for my money, I will pay a subscription. Uh, and I know that, that that goes against the the face of it being a, a quote-unquote free-to-play game and all that kind of good stuff. But I, I think you can still play it free-to-play, but you have a subscription that then get that then garners you certain uh, steady benefits. Uh, and I would be okay with that. Like, I, I, would, I would consider that model. Uh, but I will not consider, you know, kind of the pay-to-compete model that we have now in terms of even if the numbers were tweaked, they would have to be tweaked dramatically for me to relook this. But I just, I do not like uh, the monetization style of these, you know, this style that we're going down. That's all. So, and that, bucks stupid. Just saying. Well, and then like I, that I still can't figure out. We still haven't got the strong box thing kind of worked out. And now we're at, at sort of a crisis. The next, you know, well, this is not quite a crisis point, but the next serious friction point, and we, they still haven't figured out the strong box piece. Now, I, I don't know. Maybe Soraya can shed some light on it. Is it if it's truly working as intended, or they, or if they think they still need to be, you know, tweaking the numbers and the delivery of rewards and keys and such? Um, but here's what I do know: like, if they weren't done with fixing the strong boxes, they're gonna they're gonna hold off on that even longer because they certainly have to go back to the well on the war barge. Um, and that's going to take away time and resources from the things that I think Rattati probably really wanted to try and deliver in the next point release. So you're, you're getting into this forever playing catch-up game if you're not well, careful. The, the thing to bear in mind is that a lot of things can be adjusted and tweaked server-side. And those the things that they can change server-side in a lot of cases um, are not necessarily going to delay um, the, the actual releases because they can work on those in period you know in kind of between periods like when they're they're getting things approved by Sony or something like that um, so I, I wouldn't say that necessarily having to fix these things if they're if they're mostly server side issues um, would really necessarily delay um, release development no I, I think it was more concerned with like the actual mental energy it takes to to fix the the problems i I, you're right technically i think that there's they have some advantages but it's it's the actual time of the dev team probably in the sole form of rotati and a couple other folks maybe that are actually like like doing the problem solving component of it Hmm. 
Hey, Pokey, you just posted something in Skype. Could you expound on that, the uh, little big planet model? Oh, just ta basically uh, talking about the cost of individual items and dust and the theory that if you price things extremely cheap, you'll sell a lot more of them and actually make more money in the long run. So uh, I bring up Little Big Planet because in Little Big Planet, the costumes were like a dollar, and I wouldn't even think twice about buying them. It's like, oh, that looks cool. I'd drop a buck on it because I don't even care. But in Dust, things are a bit pricier, like, like the BPOs for, you know, they're about 10 bucks each. I, I think twice about that, but if they were like five, I, I would probably buy a lot of them and probably end up spending more money in the long run than I would if they, they priced them higher. And I, I, I kind of, I mean, I'm not a marketing guy, but I, I kind of wonder if things were cheaper in Dust, if they would actually make more money in the long run simply because sales would be so much higher. I mean, the, the two things that strikes me if, as something that you can easily monetize that would be very acceptable is cosmetics Skins. and side grades. Um, I, so that's just, I mean, like I said, that's just my thought on it, but uh, I could totally see it going down that road. And, and I like, and Zelp brought it up earlier. Is like, I like, I saw the post that Rattati says like eventually they want to get to having a, like a basically a module slot type thing. That's your, and you can drop in whatever BPO skin that you wanted in there to, you know, turn your suit, whatever, whatever flavor. I think that's a great idea. Um, and that is the kind of thing that people will spend consistent money on. And once you get it down, once you have all that system, all the sunk cost of getting that system in place, it's literally a matter of, you know, some guys banging out different color schemes in the back and, you know, you know, pumping out some new color schemes, you know, like once a month or something like that. That's a very, very doable process. Um, and then, like I said, side grades, things that are balanced, uh, but you, you, but they're on par or on a tier with, you know, with everything else in the game. So it's not a marked advantage. And that's actually a, uh, uh, something that some, that a few games are starting to really go to is less of the kind of the pay to win model, but it's, you know, pay to be different model, if you will. Uh, so that might be something that they could explore, but again, it, it all very much presupposes like what's, you know, what is the strategy over the next six, nine, 12 months? Well, and cosmetics um, are awesome because they have zero effect on gameplay, but they've been proven to sell. I mean, people, myself included, bought the Quaif BPO suit. I, I have a BPO for most of those suits, but I bought them anyways because I wanted the color. So, I mean, people will, will buy cosmetics. I mean, if, if like you said, once you have the system set up, it's literally tweaking numbers on a hex code to see what color is going to pop out. And in, in what you know, what your your reflective factor is. I mean, materials are not difficult to make once you have it done because most of them are procedurally generated. So I mean, if you put a system in there, you can make a ton of money, and it doesn't affect the gameplay at all. People will not complain about pay to win because it doesn't do anything. And, and so I think this whole uh, I guess I call it a shader slot or a skin slot is awesome. I'm very excited for that because I think that's going to give them means to make money without touching on these more sensitive issues like you know the war barge and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I think there's something to that. Like it, things that don't directly impact lethality and, um, you know, competitive advantages are, you know, I think there was would be consistent sellers. I think probably uh, surprisingly so. I mean, that's proven in a lot of different games. It's just, I get really leery when you have a model where I can basically drop my wallet and get a, a damage mod for free permanently stuck on my suit, you know, because I dropped it. I dropped, I mean, that's, that's a clear market advantage. 
And if people say 5% isn't much, then why does everybody beef so much about, you know, 30, 34 damage versus like 33 and a half, you know, that's, that's the nature of the game that we play. I like to point out two things. One, shaders really pokey. Um, well, that's basically what they are. <laughs> uh, two, uh, I made a thread a long time ago as soon as the uh, Legion um, subform came out where I was talking about how we could have like a tournament hall in Legion and that people could make skins for them. So like if they somehow got like deep into like a tournament, like a year long tournament or something, people could sell suits that they made with their uh, custom skins on it to where people could wear them. Because like, you know how people will buy the jersey of their favorite football team and be like repping them all around? That's why I was thinking that you could go with that. So if they ever did something like that, that would probably make a lot of money. If they really wanted to make money, they would figure out a way to do the paint bucket that they've that they pitched to everybody multiple times because you would people would pay big boy money for that, like serious, like serious money. Yeah, I was thinking on the lines of like twenty to thirty dollars for just one skin for something on the lines of that. But then you can manufacture and sell the suits that you make, so it would kind of even out over time. Yeah, perhaps. Um, okay, well, guys, uh, I, I, what I would like to do real quick is kind of do a around the horn and just sort of whatever whatever you wanted to pitch on, uh, we could go ahead and hit after it. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. We're uh, gonna attempt to the lightning round, or. Nah, well, I don't know. I think we've got some guys coming in and out on this one. So I think what I'd like, I wouldn't mind doing the lightning round. I just, I'm trying to keep this one fairly calm tonight. (laughs) Um, So kind of like, we'll start off right down the list and whatever your your topic du jour that you want to talk about for a minute or two, we can have a quick back and forth and I'll push us through the list. Uh, And then we'll go ahead and kind of wrap this one up. Uh, so, Godin, we're going to lead off with you, man. What's on your mind? Anything at all? This is your platform, as long as it's related to... Yep, I already got one. Dust, Eve, um, and it's not stupid. Yep, I, I got one. Um, okay. ADSs should not be gunships. Assault dropships should not be gunships. Okay. Yes. Are right, you got to explain that one. Um, did you not see my thread? I, no, I, I didn't. I know you made one. I just I wasn't able yeah. to read it. Okay, so basically it's like this. Okay, I see... Um, ADSs as being gunships, sort of like an Apache, where you could easily just farm infantry or even go against HAVs and easily gun them down without really trying, really. As long as you can fly decently, you can easily gun them down without them even shooting at you, provided that you're in range. So I would like that to be changed to where ADSs are more of a drop ship where they um transport people and then they give them supporting fire but as soon as av or ngv starts shooting at it it has to fly off so you're advocating for the removal of the ads no i'm saying that hv should be able to shoot back and av should be more readily available so uh the Um. ads has to fly off because at current unless there's av there it doesn't really have to fly off yeah, I'm okay. I, I I think I'm following you, and I'm okay. gonna try to recount what you just said. I think you said you have some concerns with ADS is basically acting like gunships. It is an assault dropship, so it should be assaulting some people. So 
once we get past that, it's um, you said that HAVs and AVs should be able to shoot them, which I agree with. And then the next thing you said was when there's no AV there, they just stay there, which I agree with also. So I'm, I, I guess I'm a little confused at what you're trying to get no, at. No, I'm saying that HAVs should be able to um, counter them, and AVs should be more readily available, as in there should be more supply depots in such rounds so that people can switch to AV. So it'll be easier to scare them off. However, I think that they should be able to easily transport people as well, because r- right now it's really hard to um, yep. profit as a pilot. No, but what, you what really you're points yeah, but it. what you're describing is the dropship. It holds more people and it still has two guns on it. So mm-hmm. that's why I said, are you advocating to remove the assault dropship? No. So then, what would be the difference between your new and improved dro- assault dropship and the regular dropship that we have now? It would be able to give a um, for a short amount of time until people actually start shooting back at it. It can give uh, support fire for anything that it drops. Kind of like the dropship now, but the pilot can shoot as well. So it's more um, fire yeah, support. I guess I guess that's what I'm kind of getting at is why not just put a pilot gun on the regular dropship and call it good. That would work. So then you are advocating for the removal of the assault dropship? Well, I never thought of that suggestion, so I wasn't really advocating for it. Oh, but if okay. people like that suggestion, I wouldn't mind. Because as I'm thinking about it, I wouldn't really mind if that happened. Okay. Well, I would just like to see that HVs were able to um, better counter dropships and AV was more readily available. Okay. I mean, the, the, you just described like a show topic in and of itself that we could go round and round on in a very, you know, sort of gladiator style way. So, okay. I guess um, that's next week. Potentially. <laughs> Let's see what this week holds. But like literally you're describing a, an age old argument that I, I'm, sh- I'm sure we've had many times on here, but, and we'll probably continue to have. So on that note, Mr. Jadek Menaheim. Well, what is on your mind? On my mind, um, I've been particularly excited to follow the Jovian discoveries on the EVE subreddit. Like everything that people have been finding on the Singularity server. Um, most, like in particular, the Jovian skin models. Uh, oh, yeah. Someone brought them into Blender and you could see what the, uh, the full body looks like. And it just kind of gives me the impression that maybe the... Um, People over at CCP are kind of looking to move toward that uh, Eve Unity suggestion that Hilmar brought up. Something like Jovian Tech is able to assemble all of your um, Capsuleer, a pilot, Valkyrie pilot, all into one or something like that. Well, there's there's a lot of interesting things moving that way. And um, I, I one of the interesting things that they're really doing in Eve right now is they're using the lore as a... Um, a vehicle to describe how the game is changing. Uh, and and if you're pretty sharp about it, when you read the, the chronicles and the little hit tidbits they're putting out, the uh, like the scope videos and things like that, you're they're actually foreshadowing heavily the things that will happen mechanically in game like next. So it's a it's a really interesting and frankly very welcome, you know, uh, very welcome addition to how they're doing Eve, which is kind of reminiscent of how they used to do it a while a way back, but they're definitely getting into it. 
Uh, have you happened to ha- catch the hydrostatic podcast lately, Jadik? No, I have not. So, uh, hydrostatic podcast. It's um, it, it's ran by a guy by the name of Ashtarothli and Locke Fox and Fireddy and three really good dudes. Um, and you can, I think they're in the Eve pot, uh, like uh, the Cypher's Cypher's channel. Uh, got Eve Radio, not Eve Radio. Um, EvePodcast.com. Um, they they are they've got several lore specific shows and they just put one out about a week ago. It's about like two and a half hours long. That goes into great detail about everything you're describing uh, and a lot of background on the Jovians. So if you've got some time to kill in your commute this next week, I would give a shout out to uh, the Hydrostatic Podcast and go check out their uh, lore panels. They're really really good. They're and they they do assemble a lot of community experts from across the Eve to to delve into it. Excellent. Be glad to. Okay. Anything else, man? Um, no, that was mainly the big thing. Just kind of just following that and the little things that people are able to uncover. It was yeah. Nifty. No, totally got you, brother. Um, Pokey. Oh well, um, we're still working on the HAVs. I'm sick of doing it, but I think we're getting close. Not sure. What's yeah, gonna be it's going to get tiring. Yeah, people are just getting bitchy and bickering about it. I'm just kind of done with it. So hopefully, we can wrap <laughs> it up soon and move on to LAVs and dropships. LAVs will be fun. Which is what I'm trying not. to do. Well, let's yeah. finish the HAVs first. But the point of the matter is we should hopefully be done soon if Rattati makes a final decision on some key things. But I was it. just trying to get some discussion going, you know. Yep. Yeah. I actually got people to agree a lot on labs. Everything I put out on labs, pretty much everyone agreed on. It's just the dropships. It's like, eh, I just want it to be OP. That's kind of what I was getting. Well, I, I think... I'm just going to avoid dropships altogether. I don't fly them, and I don't want to deal with the people that fly them, so I'm just going to go, okay, you guys figure it out and be done with it. Uh, they probably just wants to make it even more OP. They're, a lot of them are really like Sparky, seems like. Well, I think what you want going is your top turret on HB to have a higher tilt so it can actually shoot more up to hit a dropship is what you're really looking for, but that's a different discussion. Kind of? That that's really the only thing that you could do, but that let's just save that for another time. We're gonna yep, yep. clearly have to dedicate a show to what all we think Godin actually wants because it's apparently a pretty interesting topic. It is. Um, okay, Sriazel. I I don't have anything we haven't already talked about that I want okay. to specifically cool. bring up. Okay, that's fair enough, man. The, uh, like I said, I was just trying to see if there's any any dangling participles out there or uh, lingering, lingering topics. Um, so I'm not sure that I have anything left to uh, to put out tonight. I think we've got a, I think we had a very very good discussion about a lot of the trials and tribulations of uh, you know Warlords 1.0. Um, the net effect right now is uh, like I, as a customer, I am. I'm a little, little bit concerned. Uh, some warning signals have gone off about how this is coming about, uh, so I'll be monitoring it pretty closely. Um, and and to me, again, it really highlights the need for probably some additional discussion about the future and the path that Dust is taking um, in whatever form or game that's going to be or platform. I. I I truly believe there needs to be some some discussion about that uh, from CCP, and and I think it's really unfortunate that they're not, uh, because a lot of these a lot of the discussions we're having now could 
quickly be made academic uh, very quickly, uh, depending on what's out there that, that even the CPM may or may not know. So that was kind of the big thing I wanted to uh, just sort of leave folks with is that I've clearly not lost any faith or whatever. Um, I don't know that I've really had any, but it's more along the lines of um, from a purely customer standpoint, looking at dust as a service, uh, a gaming service, if you will, or a product that I, I, you know, that I occasionally have put money into. There's just not enough information out there for me to put more money into the game right now. Uh, and as good as CCP Rattati is about just great feedback and discussion on the granular in-game components, um, I am concerned about really the understanding of what's happening writ large in the game. Um, if you don't know your game's going to be around for X amount of time, or you don't have pretty good faith of it, it's really hard to justify putting more money into it or more time and effort, you know, and that's really the thing that dust or really any socially based game really demands. There's money, which is, you know, that's a resource and it's a varying value to, to, to you where you're at economically, but it's really your time investment. And that's what I gauge things on. Um, I could spend a lot of money on games. I often don't unless I really like it and put and put time into it. And that's the thing about Dust, much like it is for Eve uh, with me, is it is a community effort or a, a gaming community that I want to invest in. And one of the ways you do that is you're you're, you're actually purchasing in-game benefit to do other things. And, you're, you know, there's kind of this little cycle there. Um, I just don't have enough information right now as a customer to start making, to really start looking at putting out long-term ISK or real-life ISKs, if you will, uh, into Dust. And I really would like to spend more money for CCP products because I like the products that they normally put out, but there's a lot of warning flags going off for me right now. So I'm kind of in a wait and see mode. And that's sort of what I wanted to, to lay out there. Um, now in conjunction with this, um, you've heard Sarai say it once or twice and some other CPM members and Denny kind of said it in his uh, response post to, to Pokey today that, Hey, all you all you people, wise up! Think about the the model they're making. It's you know it's a three year progression model, so they know the game's going to be around longer, and the PS3 is not going to be there longer. So, hint hint, don't you think it's going to be around longer on a different platform? Uh, I take real issue with that. That he said that, uh, and, and I've you know it's not it's not evil. I think he was legitimately trying to 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 do a solid to the community and try to put. Some, what he thought was information or an implicit hint or, or something out there. But the reality is every time that somebody not without a CCP tag says that that's a total squirrel that you throw in the room that we all chase. And it, it doesn't, it does not do anything to move the conversation in a positive way. All it does is so confusion. Um, and I think it is a position that the CPM through no fault of their own has been put in by CCP. So I'm, I don't take issue with Denny for trying to, trying to, I guess, put out a positive hint, if you will, if it's even a hint. Um, but implying those type of things, I'm not in the business of listening to those uh, impositions anymore. It's really more I, that I don't, it needs to come from CCP now. I'll just step in and say that I don't think that the um, mathing out the progression chain of the game um, sets you a, a schedule for, you know, the the continuation of the game or, or that. I think that that's a stretch, um, personally. Um, I, I agree, but that doesn't, but you did have a sitting CPM member put that out fairly, fairly directly. 
Well, I can disagree with the sitting seat. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> offering that that's where it came from. And, and the issue is that any kind of discussion like that really needs to be coming from CCP. Not. Yeah, I, I mean, CCP does need to uh, communicate better with regards to um, the future. I th and hopefully, you know, we'll get there. I mean, that's, Wait, that's just... CCP needs to communicate better. Okay, I shush. didn't notice. Shush. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's obviously it's a continu it's a continuing topic um, to get as much out as we can, and I think that you know every time uh, we get out there on the on the communication bandwagon and push it really really hard, we do make progress, and we do do that regularly. Um, but uh, you know it's a hard fight. Okay, uh, with that, guys, I think we're we're pretty much going to bring this one down uh, all the way down to the ground and land the plane. So uh, we'll do a fast round of shout outs and then we're going to call it a night. So on this note, we're going to start from the bottom of the list and go up. So Soraya, shout outs. I, I, you always call me last and I, I prepare for that. I don't think of my shout outs ahead of time. Um, uh, uh, shoot. Just, just go around. Pokey Draven. Uh, shout out to CCP Rattati and team. Uh, it's been a rocky start with Warlords, but please be patient with the player base. They mean well, and don't hate them, and have a beer. Relax a little bit. It's busy, but you're a little stressed out. Kane. I just have to give a shout out to you know all the people who are crazy enough to still play this game. Um, also, a shout out to my internet for finally letting me talk for a little bit. And last, definitely the people in the community that have helped me gather up numbers for the war barge to kind of make sense of kind of this uh, the system. And in terms of, because not a lot of it's documented, so you kind of got to trial by error and trial by fire to get it, figure out what's actually going on. And Godin? Or correction, Jadek? <laughs> uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the Biomast podcast. 40 episodes in, and I've been impressed with you guys. Just a great platform for feedback. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, okay, Godin, sorry. Shout out to whoever made this wine because it's delicious. Uh, shout out to Ritati for actually being here and working on the game for us. Shout out to all you motherfuckers. Thank you for making me um, interested in this game still. All right, uh, and I'm Jason Larison, and I've got a quick list of shout-outs. So, uh, again, appreciate everybody that came on the show tonight. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate Cat Merck for alarm clocking to get up, being awake enough to sign into Mubble, and then he stays in the lounge area because he fell asleep and did not come down to actually participate in the show. <laughs> so, for the record, um, we're definitely going to need to leave this one in the recording. So, Shout out to Cat Merck for that one. Um, I would like to shout out to Godin's inability to form coherent sentences after he's been drinking. Jadex Beard. Kane Sparrow's inability to have internets or apparently a mic. Uh, let's see, Pokey, I give you a shout out for your ability to poke <laughs> what things. <the> fuck? <laughs> and Sarizel, I give you. A shout out for your ability to be shouted out to 
which is pretty unusual for you to get a shout out. Ouch. What? Yeah, you're really scraping the bottom. There, most of yours were pretty predictable. I was surprised you didn't go for the whole PR angle on on this one. But uh, no, all I, right. yeah, but I mean, why would I need to go to the well on that when it's so incredibly apparent most days? Okay. All right. Although um, I will have to say, for the record, I, if you are if you are CCP PR, then I don't know what that makes Denny. He is. <laughs> he's a whole nother level. Yeah, he's sucking on the dick. Then he does take it to another level. All right, um, go ahead. Go right, ahead, so I got my shout-outs. All right, so so I want to give my shout-outs to the um, one-off dev posters this week. We had the most varied number of names in the dev t- in the dev post tab this week than we ev- than we have like in any previous. Um, both CCP Fox 4 and CCP Logibro had one-off posts in the uh, relating to the deployment of the SDE. And um, CCP Big Bird posted about the um, uh, bonus SP issue. And then uh, my, my final shout out is to Mary Calendar's Easy Sides, which is why I managed to eat before the podcast, um, because it takes four minutes to cook. It requires that zero sounded effort. like a movie that I didn't think you would watch. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, guys, we're going to bring episode 40 of Biomass to a close. Again, this episode was brought to you by Dire Straits and their smash hit, Money for Nothing.